0: Welcome to Full Release with Samantha Bee. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. On this podcast, I exchange the hot lights of my late-night show for a hot mic on which I have unscripted, uncensored conversations with people I actually like who aren't actively working to destroy democracy. (laughs) What a concept! I'm joined, as always, by my trusty producers, Sophia Baron reinstein and Adam Howard of K-Podcast Gals. Have the brilliant legal analyst and writer Ellie Mistal on today's show, which of course is airing in the wake of Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson's historic confirmation to the Supreme Court. Oh, God, I can't believe the Democrats didn't screw that one up. We really dodged a bullet there. <laughs> anyway, as you both know, a seat on the Supreme Court is a lifetime appointment. If you had a lifetime appointment to a job, where it would be next to impossible to remove you, what kind of liberties would you take? Wow. Oh, no. That's such a hard question. Yes. I'm, like,
1: so uncreative. I'm like, I don't know. I would take just the right amount of vacation time that nobody got too annoyed.
0: Oh, that's...
1: <laughs> you know, live a little. Those aren't <laughs> liberties. And maybe take, like, <laughs> steal a better office chair from someone else's <laughs> desk. Oh, no. <laughs> no cooing.
0: <laughs> This is a terrible dream. <laughs> <laughs> do so much better. Um, oh, okay, I want, I want to hear Adam's answer, and then it. I want you to rethink your answer.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's not that... I was going to take egregious amounts of vacation time, like an absurd okay. amount. And okay. then also I feel like you get, can just do a lot of, like, working from home days, okay. you know. Um, I guess if you're, like, inclined to, you could probably, like, pop off a lot on social media. If that is something you feel like you want to do, but I don't.
1: Yeah, your hot takes could get even hotter.
0: Okay, so Adam would take an outrageous amount of vacation time. Mm -hmm. I'm just, my question, my question is why just not make it all vacation time? Like you, if you're, you you know what I mean? If you have a lifetime appointment, you still get your, you still get paid. And you never have to actually do the job. That's what (laughs) I would say. Some (laughs) of us never what we do. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, no, me too. Latter. I definitely love
2: it. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying to I'm worried about you that you really want that you want a new a chair and you don't even want a new office chair. I'm hey, just going to pill for it from
1: someone else who maybe doesn't have a lifetime appointment.
0: Oh my God. Oh, that is funny. Okay. Well, I would just take a lot more liberties than both of you. And I'm not even going to say what those liberties are, but no, just you will never us. see me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you will socially. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will continue to do the podcast.
2: And, from Milan <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: From the island that Luke Skywalker lived on Oh, wow um, You know, it's fine, it's fine, it's, it's good, it's good Okay <laughs> Oh, Jesus Okay, don't go anywhere, because we have Ellie Mistalk coming right up Joining me today is the irrepressible and righteously indignant Ellie Mistal. Ellie is not your usual buttoned-up legal analyst. He unapologetically slays hypocrites and liars on social media. And on his frequent appearances on MSNBC, he's a justice correspondent for the nation, one of the nation's oldest and most respected progressive publications. And if that weren't enough, he just came out with his first book, Allow Me to Retort a Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. Oh my god, I love an overachiever. Welcome to the show ellie mistal
3: hello nice to meet you
0: hi really nice to meet you thanks so much for saying yes
3: oh well, thank you for having me Just talking talking about my book and the law no i'm
0: you're, you're like i'm all set i'm actually very equipped let's go let's <laughs> don't do have it. to ask me twice let's go <laughs> how are you doing today what a day of new i know that podcasts are kind of eternal and you're not supposed to talk about news but there's a lot happening right now
3: but it also like links in to some of my work. The Supreme Court will be deciding a case this summer called New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Bruin. Oh. And this is the case where they're going to allow guns to come on the subway alito literally says it right. during oral arguments so when i wrote up that case back in november or whatever i made this kind of extended bernie getz kind of analogy to what's happening yeah which then for the kids i had to explain who the fuck bernie getz was which was right fun. oh great
0: right. great okay <laughs> wow yeah wow oh boy that case is being decided
3: this. Right, that's going to happen in June, and it's, it's it's this exact situation, right, where something's going to happen, and then, like, if you look at what actually happened, somebody threw a smoke bomb, yeah. shot 10 people. Imagine if somebody was packing, and they just start shooting randomly into the smoke, like, how many more people die? But the way that these gun nuts think of it, that's the only way you stop the terror, like, no, you... You run. That's how you stop. Like, that's your yeah,
0: you get away. Right. You don't go like, let me take care of this. I'm a man. Watch me do my own things like, right? no, you'll be running. You should run, too. Get away. Oh, my God.
3: I was on a program like way back in the day with like Geraldo's brother, which is like random. And he was like, "Well, so you don't have guns in your home. Like, no, they're horribly dangerous. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, what if you do if you have a home invader? I'm like, uh, if I can, I, I run. So what, I would what, try to hide. What would your wife do? Like she's faster than me. I like, I
0: <laughs> she stepped over me to get out. She she shimmied out a window. She works this out. is what I you're supposed to you're supposed to get away as fast as possible. I definitely know. I was just telling everyone I work with that my husband was riding the subway last night and watched a stabbing. I saw someone get stabbed. Oh my god! And then they the stabbed person plus the stabber jumped off the train to continue stabbing. And the train conductor was like, somebody call 911 and then pulled the train, pulled out of the station. And my husband was like, I'm a witness to a crime. And everyone was like, I gotta get home. I, <laughs> Speak And newer. even the train conductor was like, mm, you know, it's fine. It's probably, every, they're gonna take care of it on the platform.
3: <laughs> like, somebody we'll, should do something anyway. Somebody should,
0: oh, I have no capability to dial 911. I don't have any contact with anyone. This is a rogue train, folks. We're gonna. <laughs> it's also
3: like her your, like your man says, like, they're witnesses, yo, like that's yeah, like what we saw a thing
0: happen. All that's of us, how we convict him. <laughs> oh my god!
3: You know what the conductor's thinking? Like, well, it's New York City with Eric Adams, we'll just beat the shit out of them, and they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, somebody's I'll, I'll everybody's just going to get beaten up and in the wash. So one of these people will have been responsible for a crime.
2: <laughs>
0: There's going to be blood everywhere. I don't know. We'll sort it out later. Oh my god! You okay. Enough
3: people. Eventually, you get to somebody who deserved it.
0: Definitely. All right, so I'm going to. I want to talk about your book, but first, I did want to talk about Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson a little bit. Sure. I want to talk about the events around her confirmation, which I'm sure made you. Well, this was very crazy-making. was oh. <laughs> crazy-making for um, uh, for everyone with sense in their brains. So, I mean, I guess let's. Here's a nice question: How heartened were you? by the fact that you know a large majority of Americans did back Judge Jackson's confirmation, even though Republicans spent weeks trying to link her with, oh my God, pedophiles. And I just don't even want to say those words, but I must.
3: Yeah, it turns out that trying to tag a accomplished black woman with a 10-year history of judicial opinions with mm-hmm. pedophilia sympathies yeah. isn't a winning strategy. <laughs> as was shown by the fact that Ketanji Brown-Jackson will ascend to the Supreme Court as mm-hmm. the most popular Supreme Court nominee since John Roberts back in 2004. Right. Okay. So like that's that that's the that's the standard. That's the gold standard for our current politics right now. And that's where she will come in on the court. So that shows mm-hmm. that the Republican arguments weren't effective writ large, but they right. weren't supposed to be. And so one of the things that I've been trying to get people to understand is that the reason why Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and the rest of them went in on this pedophilia is not because they thought that this was an effective way of stopping her confirmation. It mm-hmm. wasn't. Not because they thought that it was an effective way of turning the American people against her. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. They thought it was an effective way to rile up their violent, deranged cue base. Yeah. as part of their eventual campaign for the presidency should the white supremacist king not run in 2024. I... The whole thing was designed to rile up Q. And people need to understand, Q already came into that hearing predisposed against Kataji Brown Jackson. Why? Well, because one of the cases that she decided, you know, they didn't bring this case up when they were talking about her sentencing record. But one of the people that Kataji Brown sentenced was Edgar Welsh. Now okay. people know him better as the Pizzagate guy. Edgar Welsh is the guy who went to Comet Pizza in DC looking to kill people because he thought there was a pedophile ring in the basement. There there was no basement.
0: Wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> okay.
3: Right. There's no basement in the Alamo Pee-wee. <laughs> no, so he goes to the he goes to the pizza place trying to kill people behind this pedophilia panic or, or terror. He gets arrested, he gets charged, he gets convicted, and Kataji Brown Jackson sentences him to four years in prison. The defense attorney asked for 18 months. So let's let's talk about whether or not she's soft on crime now, right? Right. But you right, notice right. Republicans didn't bring that up. Mm-hmm. But that's that's why they 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 figured out that these attacks would be useful against her because Q was already had it in for her coming into this confirmation hearing. Right. These attacks are just dangerous. And they're they're happy to put her in danger, put her family in danger by, by bringing up the, the the library at the school her daughters go to. All that did was alert the Q people to the school that her daughters go to. They're They're doing this because they don't mind increasing the death threats against her, increasing the potential of violence against her because they're trying to run for president.
0: Yeah, this language of grooming, this language of being like pedophile adjacent, is extremely dangerous. It's extraordinarily dangerous out there, really, right now. And that language is just bubbling up in areas where it really uh, does not belong. is so disturbing and infuriating to me. I actually, I am a little bit deranged from it, to be honest with you.
3: I mean, look they're they're doing this because they have no moral. Backbone, right? Like they, they, mm-hmm. the Republicans, I think at some psychological level understand that their positions are abhorrent, right? Like the, the, they're they're against uh, uh, <laughs> they're against helping the poor, they're against helping anybody, and so they they ratchet up these alleged moral issues to make themselves feel better about the violence and abhorrentness and deplorability of the rest of their platform, right? So it feels good to be, like, against pedophilia. Yeah, I'm against pedophilia, too. Just like I'm pro-puppy, right? I'm against pedophilia, pro-puppy. These are not difficult political positions, but it makes them, it gives them, like, a a sheen to justify their violent and dangerous behavior.
0: What do we need to take away? How do we, what are the implications of this, I guess, for the midterms? Because we are just coming into we're voting in the fall folks like we are voting (laughs) and i think it's the season is about to be so it's already so ugly out there
3: it's gonna be bad it's look when you look at the poll numbers i don't put a lot of stock into poll numbers especially this far out but like when you look at the numbers biden is at an unsustainable level of lack of support in the black community Right. Mm -hmm. For a Democrat. Democrats cannot win without black people. Democrats cannot win without overwhelming support from black people and overwhelming turnout from black people. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Biden's poll numbers, like he's above water with black people. But, you know, that that kind of like I'm going to run through a wall for you. That's not what we're seeing. Right. When you look at his poll numbers with young people, again, Democrats cannot win. Without people under forty, it just just doesn't work without them, right? When you yep. look at his poll numbers with people under forty, when you look at God forbid his poll numbers with people under thirty, he's above water, but he's not. He doesn't have that like I'm gonna like put down um uh uh, uh, uh the 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 keg and go to the poll. He doesn't have right. that kind of that kind of support right now. So this <laughs> is a bad. <laughs> Let me take this, this is,
0: beer funnel out of my mouth.
3: Right. And, and go, go vote. Do my civic duty. Like, he doesn't got that, right? <laughs> right. When I was in school, like, Clinton got me there. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to put down, you know, put down the, 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 the cold pizza, put down the, the Pabst, and go vote for that man if I can remember what day the election is. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's where I was in 96, and I don't see, you know— I don't see those numbers from from the young people. So what the Democrats need to do and what Biden needs to do specifically is to make policies in, in the in this brief time that he has less through executive order, because we know Prime Minister Manchin won't let things happen. Right. Prime Minister Manchin has decided no. Uh, uh, Queen Cinema has decided no on some <laughs> key issues. So Biden, through executive order, has to use what power he has to really make policies that directly, um, um, I think, benefit young people and black people in particular. I wrote, Samantha, today about how one of those obvious policies is student loan debt cancellation. Right. It's just, it's sitting right there. It's right there. He promised to cancel at least $10,000. Just just do it. Just do it through executive order. Is the legal standing for that order particularly strong? No, but Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to remember when a president declared a fake national emergency to steal money to build a wall as a monument to his bigotry. If Trump can do that, then Biden surely has enough executive authority to cancel at least $10,000 of student debt. I would play it that way. And if the Supreme Court knocks you down, then you at least can say, like, I did everything I could. Maybe if you vote for me, I could get some more justices like Ketanji Brown Jackson on the court.
0: Right. You think he's waiting? He's just like, I'll do it in the last third week of October. I'll say it. I'll say it out loud.
3: Right now, uh, because of COVID, under a different emergency authority, so I'm saying that he should use the authority given to him under the Higher Education Act to just Mm. cancel the debt. But right now, he's using the 2003 HEROES Act, which is a post-9-11 bill, to defer payments because of a national emergency. That emergency has been COVID. So from March 2020, student loan repayments have been held in forbearance, loans if you have to the federal government. Mm -hmm. That is set to lapse August 31. 2022 i i cannot conceive of a world where he lets that lapse september 1 before elections on november 8th i just right like i can't he's got to do right right Because like he's he's got to do something right i wrote in my piece that like you know that would be a self-own on the level of romeo killing himself because juliet (laughs) was napping Right, like you just you can't you can't go out like that, right? Never
0: say never. (laughs) Democrats, we're talking about you know anything's possible. You know what? Now that we're talking about college, how do you, as students like you and Katanji Brown Jackson, go to the same law school as Ted Cruz, but walk away with such different understanding of the literal law? (laughs) What? happens in the wash. You know, he had access to all the same materials, all the same professors, you know, and he emerged. Obviously, he's an empty husk of a human being and always was, so maybe he's the worst possible example. But how does a law school turn out people with such different opinions?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, that is a deeper question than I am probably capable of answering.
0: Nope, you have to answer it right now. You got to get it right, too. (laughs) This is it.
3: So Ketanji Brown Jackson's classmate was Ted Cruz. My classmate was Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton was was only a year ahead of me um, in in law school. I did not, I knew of him. I've made fun of him Mm -hmm. on campus, but we we were not buds. So so let's leave it at that. One thing that you have to understand about conservatives at these elite institutions is that they are in the minority. Mm -hmm. They are in the extreme minority. And they adopt a very kind of like doomsday prepper uh, uh, bunker mentality when they're in these places. So they become very resistant to new information. I know that sounds weird because they're in a school and you're supposed to be learning, but they become very resistant to new information because any new information they get challenges their core beliefs and core assumptions and, and, and what have you, right? So
0: they just become adversarial for the sake of just for pushing people's buttons.
3: And they, they stay in their own, for the most part, very white, very male mm-hmm. echo chamber. And it's funny, because what you hear from the people who are most concerned about cancel culture, they act like college campuses is an echo chamber for the left. And all you do is talk to other lefties, and then you and you talk to another lefty, and then you go read Marx or something, and then you go, you know, mm-hmm. start a commune. Like, that's the right-wing version <laughs> of, you know, a college or a law school experience, when in actually what you're doing is reading, right? Like that's the, like, I know that's hard for some people to understand, but like the main function of being at school is that it's like the best library card in the universe, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you do for the most time when you're at school is that you read things, right? And the more things you read, the more information you get. What's supposed to happen is the wider your mind expands, the more possibilities you consider, right? So reading Marx, yes, but also, you know, Hegel, but also uh, uh, listening to Wagner and, and mm-hmm. doing all, like, you, you you come up as a well-rounded person. But when you're conservative and you have this Bucker mentality, those readings, the, that knowledge kind of bounces off of you. You decide that it must bounce off of you in order to maintain your worldview. And that right. worldview, more often than not, is that white males deserve their privilege of place in our society. Right. And that everybody is out to take it away from them, and that the people who are going to take away their privilege need to be stopped. There's a part where they're not wrong, right, Samantha? Right? There, right. There's a part where yes, that that part that you that you used to be able to do, where you could own people and women, we're, we're, <laughs> we're taking that away from you now. Right. Right. Can't do that no more. Right. And mm-hmm. so, like, yeah, I'm, ta- I'm taking something from. Them. I, I get I get why they feel they have lost something. Mm-hmm. They have. But, you know, as there's a quote that, that I always see on the internet, I never know who actually said it, so I'm not going to quote who said it, because I have no freaking idea, but the internet says... Uh, <laughs> that's fair. When you're accustomed to privilege, um, equality feels like oppression. Right. And that's how I explained Ted Cruz, and that's how I explained right. Tom Cotton.
0: Do you think that Democrats need their own version of the Federalist Society?
3: Yes, desperately. Oh my God. Right. It's... The- <laughs> It's such an asymmetrical battle that we fight, but there are lots of reasons for that, right? One, Republicans have just, because in part of that bunker mentality, because they feel like it's them against the world, they've done a much better job of explaining to their base Mm -hmm. why the courts are important. Now, I do not happen to think that the Republican MAGA base is any smarter than the liberal progressive base. I just... I I don't think that you can't you can't make me believe that. Mm -mm. So I don't think that they understand civics better than the liberal base, but their leaders have done a much better job of explaining why it's important. Right. So I can go to a tabernacle in Utah and find some woman who doesn't know anything about anything but knows that she has to vote Republicans because yes. I mean just abortion is such a it's such a moral issue and so I have to vote for Republicans for the Supreme Court. I can go to a truck stop in Alabama and find some guy who doesn't know anything about anything but no I got to got to vote for that Supreme Court hmm. cuz I need my guns and I got to stop the gays from kissing on each other. I got to got to get the Supreme Court for that, right?
0: They're they're excellent at mission statements. They're very good at like to-do lists.
3: Right? You go to a liberal base. you go to a coffee shop in Seattle, and you're like, well, what's important? Like, oh, climate change is so important. Right. But they don't know that to get climate change, you got to get the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will not allow climate legislation to happen. If six conservatives are in control of that body, right? So progressives don't, we progressives tend to think and liberals tend to think that what we had to do is elect a president, and maybe elect a senator, but right. fundamentally it's our elected officials who do all the work. They don't understand the Supreme Court is not just a co equal branch of government, but it has an effective veto on the other two branches of government. And so we don't take the Supreme Court seriously. We're mm-hmm. not single issue voters on the Supreme Court. Don't even get me started on me in 2016 saying to people, look, I understand maybe your candidate didn't win the primary, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 82 years old. And so right. we have to elect a Democrat to replace." like there's just no, and that that argument falling on deaf ears, that argument not not holding, not carrying the day. And that was with the Supreme Court seat opened.
0: Right, right, right. That kind of strategy, that kind of strategic thinking, we're just like not very good at it broadly, not really understanding the game of three-dimensional chess, or just getting the word out, distributing the word, and having people just move on that, make decisions based on that.
3: We don't understand how power works, but again, that's partially because of our leaders. Our leaders have not prioritized Mm. explaining how power works, right? Because I think Part of this is 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 fear, right? If if Democratic leaders explained more directly how power works in this country, Mm -hmm. the Democratic base might want more.
0: Right, right. Oh boy. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Well, we should talk about our Constitution.
3: Yeah, (laughs) it's not good, and apparently that's a controversial thing to say.
0: (laughs) It's not very good. Not very good at all. So, okay, you've gotten you've got people. Really want to talk to you about why you say the Constitution is trash. That was basically written by rich bigots. Did everybody's hysterical reaction to that quite factual statement (laughs) kind of prove your point?
3: Yeah, it took me. I gotta say, Samantha, it took me aback for a second because oh really? Because it's such an obvious point. Yeah, it's like it's not. It's I say actual controversial things. In my book, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a whole chapter that I argue that confessions should be unconstitutional. Okay. I have a chapter title that says, Why can't you punch a cop? Like, if conservatives <laughs> could get to page two of my book, they would see some stuff, right? But they really get hung up on page one oh, where no. well, the first line of my book is that the constitution is not good. I thought that was a pretty self-evident yeah. statement because. It's not because while we tend to venerate this document and act like it was you know written in a stone tablet by the finger yeah. of God and a Moses got it and he brought it he gave it to George Washington. No, that's not how it happened. instead it was a summer camp project mm-hmm. It was like a model UN summer camp project that they did over a summer in Philadelphia. These people were slavers, colonists, Some of them were abolitionists who were nonetheless willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. None of the, you know, uh, poor people were allowed to be in that convention. No women were allowed to be in that convention. No people of color were allowed to be in that convention. All of these men were basically in their 30s. Right. Besides the lecherous old sexual predator Benjamin Franklin. like. (laughs) To act like this represents the best enlightened society can do is just ridiculous on its face. No, it's not the best we can do. No, it wasn't even particularly effective. I count it as a demerit. That 80 years after their, their precious document um, was was ratified, we got into a hot civil war over what that document meant. I think that's right. a demerit. I counted it as a demerit that after that hot civil war, it still took another 100 years to even make the amendments we made after the civil right. war real for the people that they were directed at. Right. You know, the, one of the ridiculous – sorry, I know I'm going on a bit. No, but like,
0: no, no, no. It's, it's so interesting. It's so true. I mean, it feels like originalism is going to be the end of us, really.
3: The the idea, right? The idea that we should when we have an ambiguity in the law, and that's what originalism is: it's a way to resolve ambiguity in the law. We can have a whole different discussion about when the law is ambiguous or not, but fundamentally, I think we understand that sometimes we don't know what the law is or should say or whatever. Originalism says we should go back. And look at what the founding fathers thought these words and laws meant and base our laws off of what they thought. And I say, are you kidding me? Those nasty rapist slaver people are who I should ask about what this ambiguous state what's what? Right. Why would I ever do that? Right. When the Eighth Amendment says cruel, unusual punishment is prohibited and we don't know what cruel and unusual means. I'm supposed to ask the slavers. what they thought cruel meant who does that like that's it's just right so but that's that's what they want that's their actual political philosophy and I I disagree I I, I mean there, there are so many other ways that we can resolve ambiguity besides asking what rapist ass Thomas Jefferson thought right
0: could we have a seance and just bring them back and ask them for their high what? quality opinions?
3: and well, then... that's the other thing, right? Neil Gorsuch <laughs> like, pretends, so he's the main originalist on the Supreme Court right now. Neil Gorsuch pretends he's got a Ouija board and he can right. just directly go ask James Madison, and it just magically means, by the way, that every time they ask the founders, the founders say whatever Mitch McConnell wants. Right. Like that's it's a miracle, isn't that convenient? That's, <laughs> that's incredible, right? So no, I, I reject their theory and I reject the idea. And here's the, here's the other important point. I yeah. reject the idea that the founders did the best they could for their times. They were just men of their times trying their best. No, no, no. There were men of those times who understood that slavery was wrong. There were men of those times who understood that mm-hmm. selling off your daughters for political favors and raping your wives, marital rape, was an oxymoron in this country until like the 70s. There were men at the time who understood that, that was not okay. And frankly, I'm just, even with those statements, I happen to be talking about white men. You know who else knew that slavery was wrong in real time? The black people. <laughs> yeah. Had you asked any one of them, they would have been like, mm, slavery, mm, can't go along with that, boss. I'm not sure that <laughs> this is
0: a good plan for the future. Right. I don't think we should have this uh, forever. Or There was now. no
3: slave saying, you know what, Massa George? We we got to stop that King George. He right. He's a menace to us. No, no slave was saying that, all right? So like just stop it with the oh, they were they were doing the best they could. No, no. Well,
0: if If we all, okay, let's say we all, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm with you, I'm gonna acknowledge that the Constitution is trash. Look, but I'm not from here originally. Like, I'm new to your country. I grew up in Canada. So it's weird for me to live here and understand that about half the country thinks that we should, like, live in accordance with every letter of the Constitution. And only half of the country is like, I feel like we should evolve with the needs of the country. So, like, I'm with you. It's a trash document. There's a whole bunch of stuff I would have gotten rid of. Nobody asked me. Nobody should ask me. But if you were going to start over, if you could start over, who would you want to write it? I nominate you. I think you should rewrite it. What would you <laughs> say? What would be your what's your top top 3? items.
3: Well, for starters, let me just say that I am not pro a new constitutional convention because I believe if we tried to call one right now, mm-hmm. a lot of the same people who wrote the first one would be overrepresented in the second right. constitutional convention, right? Like we still look, as long if if Wyoming gets 1 delegate to the new constitutional convention, how many delegates should California get? Right. And if you say anything south of 60, right. you're wrong in terms of just raw population to say nothing of why are we breaking ourselves up into sovereign positions, right? Because that's also anachronistic. And so then to answer your question, Samantha, the first thing I do mm-hmm. – is obliterate federalism. This obliterate this idea that instead of one unified nation, we are 50 separate polities that all feed into a larger whole. That was a fine idea, I think, you know, back when it took like five months to get from New York to California and you had to eat Jeff to, to, to make the journey fun. Right? Oh. I think right? You're always
0: going to eat someone named Jeff.
3: Right
0: like He's that the first makes to sense. Go. I,
3: yeah. I I understand why you know you got to govern Nevada differently than Florida back mm-hmm. in olden days, right? But since, you know, circa I would argue the railroad, but you might want to argue, you know, Pan Am, whatever, mm-hmm. at some point like delta obviated the need for federalism as it is currently understood. So I would have a document that centered human rights first. Mhm and made those rights inviolable by any particular state government and left only true matters of local concern to the states, right? So like pothole maintenance, fine, I don't care, right? Like sure. that 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 should be handled at the local level. We don't need the Politburo deciding who gets a, a, a new supermarket on Main Street, fine, right? But like the big issues about whether or not women are people, uh, I, I think that's a sure. federal, not a state concern. The the big questions of what counts as a vote and who gets to vote, that I think should be a federal concern. Um, uh, 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 should cops be allowed to choke me in the middle of the street for selling a loose cigarette? Yes, no. Like those should be federal concerns. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I would really start the whole document. Obliterate federalism. Human rights, um, and you asked me for three things that I would change. Um, Oh, I probably, uh, uh, and I know this is going to, like, rankle some feathers, and it's a pretty controversial statement. But I think, and you can disagree with me, Sam. Okay. But I think the people should be allowed to elect the president directly based on the amounts of votes of the people in the country. I know, crazy talk, right? Crazy. But I think the the candidate for president who gets the most votes... Mm -hmm. should be the president. This is wild. This is wild talk.
0: Crazy talk. Crazy talk. Do you think that the Electoral College will ever be abolished? Ever? (laughs) Ever? She said. Hopefully.
3: We've gotten really (laughs) close, right? So I know I'm here to promote my book, Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. But um, um, I mentioned uh, Jesse Wegman's book as well because he has done a real deep dive into abolishing the Electoral College. We've tried like, you know, 5, six, seven, eight, 19, 25. Like we've tried a lot of times. Yeah. And we've gotten really close a couple of times. And so I, I still have hope that one day we will get there. It obviously will not happen right now when one party has a vested interest, right. when one party can only win through the Electoral College. The Republican candidate for president has lost seven of the last eight presidential elections via the popular vote. They've only split the presidency because of the Electoral College. So right now, the Electoral College only benefits Republicans, so Republicans will never let it go. Right. To abolish it, basically, you either have to get back to a point where the Electoral College doesn't give a key advantage to either party, or more impossible to believe, but still probably the only way, you have to have the party who is benefited by the Electoral College to give up the Electoral College, right? Right, right. But same thing that has to happen, by the way, with the filibuster. right. At some point, the party who is in the minority has to support ending the filibuster and letting the party in the majority just run roughshod over them mm-hmm. for another election cycle, which is hard. I know it's like three-dimensional chess. It's hard to it's hard to think about, but like that's that at this point, that's how these things end. People have to give something up.
0: Right. Going back to something you said before, I'm just I'm really excited. I'm really stoked for Wyoming to make all my decisions for me in New York City. So, <laughs> so I just really want to keep giving them that power and control over my life. It's a really good feeling. <laughs> really, really great.
3: Equal suffrage in the Senate is one of the most provably dumb and racist things that we do in this country. And the reason why it's racist is because people of color are not evenly spread out throughout the country. Right, Right. Most people of color still live in the states where their ancestors were enslaved. Most Asian Americans still live on the coast. Most Latinos still live in the Southwest. We're just not spread out evenly. That's also a a reason, I know this is kind of a a, a bank shot, but that's one of the things that people need to also understand about affirmative action, which is something the Supreme Court will take away next year, Mm. that the first sort that colleges and universities do is the geographic sort right putting people into geographic regions and by doing that that itself is affirmative action for white people right because if you commit to having 10 kids in your class from wyoming and 20 kids in your class from iowa right that is going to be you know, uh, uh, a based towards white people whereas if you commit to having 10 kids in your class from san francisco what you have is a bunch of Asian-Americans, you know, fighting in the streets over those 10 spots, right? If you say that you're only going to have 10 kids from Long Island, right, you have a lot of Jewish-Americans fighting in the streets for those 10 spots because of where people happen to live in this country, right? Whereas if you go to, you know, middle of the and pick three kids, three valedictorians from their high school, right? those three kids are probably going to be white.
0: Right, right, right. How tired are you of hearing people mourn what's become of the republican party as if it hasn't been like a racist institution for decades
3: oh my god i can i can tell you this the single best thing i could have done for my career Mm -hmm. was to spend the 2000s being wrong about everything okay being wrong about uh, about uh, about the Republican party being wrong about how racist they are just being wrong about everything and then only getting it in 2015 when Trump came down the escalator. Right. Man, right. I'd be I'd be famous. I'd be right. everywhere right now. <laughs> if I was just wrong for 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 Republicans to to quote the late great football coach Denny Green, the Republicans are who who we thought they were. Right. OK, and like the, the, the race, this is a their patron saint, Ronald Reagan, started his campaign in uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi. That is Mississippi burning territory for those playing along at home. He once called the Voting Rights Act, which the Republicans have now successfully mm-hmm. um my pick for the most important piece of legislation in American history. Reagan called the Voting Rights Act an act that humiliates the South, humiliates the South. Right. Right. Because we, we notice their racism. This is a party that has always played, at least in my lifetime, I was born in 1978, at least in my lifetime, they have always played footsie with their virulent racist base because they knew – because the Republicans understood that their other policies, their economic policies, were broadly unpopular and that the racists wouldn't support – those broadly unpopular economic policies, unless it was tied to some clash of civilizations, make the world safe for white men ideology, right? Right. All that's happened since 2015 is that the racists that Republicans rely on are now running the asylum.
0: Right, right. It's the same party. Why do you think that so many white pundits were able to concede that Donald Trump was racist, but they stopped short of using that term when it comes to like Lindsey Graham
3: or Tom Cotton, they just kind of pull back. I think for a lot of white pundits, they're more worried about being called racist than actual acts of racism. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Like they 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 find the word to be like, oh, that's a serious charge, and it's also like they they. I mean, part part of it is that. We're, who are we talking about, right? Even right. if we're not talking about the white pundit on the set who's saying racist or not saying racist, or the white columnist who's writing racist or not racist, even if they're not racist, mm-hmm. they got family who is. Right. Right? right? They, got, they got a cousin. They got an aunt. They got a grandmama mm-hmm. who's absolutely racist, and they know it. But if they call Ted Cruz racist, if they call Lindsey mm-hmm. Graham racist, then they got to call their mama racist. And they don't want to do that. They want to because, and that's that's one of the keys I think about what we see in the white media industrial complex right now. They've got to believe that these deplorable racist people can be brought back, can right. be shown the light. Right, right, grandpa right. Grandpa cannot die with his sins on his head. We gotta, we gotta save Grandpa. Right, when you're black. You know, you, I I know what your grandpa's like. Right, he was the guy spitting on my mother right. when she went to school. I know, I know who your grandpa is. I know who mm-hmm. your cousin is. Like, I know, I, I, I your, your cousin is the is the cop who pulled me over for driving while black right. Tuesday. Right. As an African American in this society, I have no illusions about what white people are capable of. Right. But I think as a white pundit, you actually do have illusions, and you gotta think it's the it's the. If you saw on the internet, it's that again on the internet. Where, where
0: oh, were the is real. What's this internet you speak of? <laughs>
3: Um, Chris Wallace uh, 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 debating or, or questioning Nicole Hannah Jones. Like his little mind exploded when Nicole Hannah Jones was just like, maybe the greatest generation ain't that great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Chris Wallace one of the oh, These people came out of the <laughs> cornfields and they <laughs> fought the Nazis. And was, <laughs> like, oh. You want to know <laughs> else what they were doing in that cornfield? Hanging people. That's what they were doing. When they got back from fighting the Nazis, they came home and hung <laughs> people. And also there's
0: like this feeling of like losing, like losing access to political leaders that you, losing the access that you already don't have to them. Like, you know, I was like, but if I go to, I'm not going to be able to interview them in the future. I'm like, you do want to, like, what are you talking about? They are not, you're not in the inner sanctum anyway.
3: You see this a lot. There's an idea that if you had true equality, Mm -hmm. that what black people would do, to white people is what white people have done to black people for the past five, or 400 years, that there would be revenge politics, right? But what we see around the world is that when black people get independence, having been oppressed for so long, there isn't a large revenge motivation to their policies. Mm-hmm. Oh, they'll take the land back. Yes, that will happen. Right? Right. <laughs> um, the land that you stole, they will take back. That's happening. But beyond that, there isn't this kind of need to... Avenge themselves right. on whiteness in other uh, 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 countries where where black people have gotten free. Um, I, I know that he's canceled, but there is a a, a telling Louis C K joke about this. Where he says, well, I don't want to, you know, he's talking about being in a time machine. He's like, as a white person, he can go in a time machine all the way back to like year two and he'd be fine. But he doesn't want to go into the future because if he goes in the future, eventually white people are going to have to pay for what they've done. Like that's, it's, it's the joke, right? Mm-hmm. And that's telling that I think that there are a lot of white people who do think that. And I, from my, my read of history tells me that's not going to happen. Right. That if you go a hundred years in the future and you are living in a truly equal and fair and just society, right. you won't see revenge politics from right. the formerly oppressed people. A lot of the, a lot of people just want just want to be left just want to be left alone, right? Just want to be left alone to raise their family. Well, and, I mean, and, as you
0: said before, though, for a lot of people, like justice feels like revenge.
3: <laughs> right. 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 Exactly.
0: Which is the problem? Okay. I think I know the answer to this question, but do you think we should just like give up all hope that Donald Trump will ever be held legally accountable for his many varied crimes?
3: I can't give up all hope cause I'll cry. Like I okay. Just, okay. Like I I've know. got like, he's, I know. I want there's to believe. so many crimes. There's so many, there's so many crimes. Like so pick one, crime. pick one. I know, I know. forever. Like right. a lifetime.
0: That's- it's all crime.
3: All the way and he's back. he's so old that if you just got him for like five years, that'd probably oh, be enough. Like, just God. pick a crime and prosecute him I for know. it because he did it. I look, I I I was early out of the gate that Merrick Garland was the wrong person for the job. I I I did not have confidence that mm-hmm. he. Look, as a Supreme Court justice, I will take Merrick Garland any day and twice on Sunday over Neil Gorsuch. Right. Let's be clear. Right. But as the Attorney General, I think there were other better candidates who had more fire in the belly Mm -hmm. uh uh, uh, more passion for justice than i think merrick has is had shown and certainly has shown since he got the job yeah well Um, how do you solve how
0: do you solve a problem like merrick garland
3: like what is to be done well, Joe Biden doesn't want to solve that problem. Biden was more concerned, and this is the same, look, Obama made the same mistake. I'm not here to talk about the past, and we're mm-hmm. twirling, twirling towards the future, whatever it is they say. Like they, the, 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 the decision to not prosecute Dick Cheney and the war criminals that mm-hmm. were responsible for Iraq and Afghanistan mm-hmm. is what laid the foundation for Trump, because what Republicans know, and they punk Democrats with this all the time, Republicans know that Democrats ain't going to do squats. When right. the wheel comes back around so Republicans can feel untethered to that future consequence when right. they act and they do act. Right. Joe Biden came in with the same Obama mentality of, like, moving forward and restoring dignity and and uh, competence to the Justice Department, not prosecuting Republicans right. for crime. crime. And so when you tell me that Merrick Garland is working on a secret investigation and someday it's all going to, like, I don't know. Merrick Garland got into office with – and I'm like one of the only people I feel like remembers this sometimes. Merrick Garland got into office with the Mueller report sitting on his desk. The Mueller report outlined 10 instances of obstruction of justice. And the only reason Robert Mueller didn't prosecute Trump is because of a, I believe, flawed theory that he could not prosecute a sitting president. But when Merrick Mm. Garland took over, Donald Trump was no longer the sitting president. And he could have prosecuted Trump for all of those obstruction charges. And he didn't. He right. did it. Now, right. the statute of limitations has lapsed on at least five, I believe, of those charges, right? So he hasn't done anything with the Mueller report. Why am I supposed to believe that he will someday do something with the January 6th committee report that will be put on his desk in a couple of months?
0: Okay, so how are you keeping hope alive? Like, you have a gl- – there's, like, something left in you that believes. <laughs> I also want to believe. What What is the little flicker of a flame that burns –
3: I think Tish James in New York is on the job. I think she is doing a good job, right? Alvin Bragg. Oh, my. Not so much. No. Right? Wow. (laughs) He still needs to answer for why his own prosecutors said that there were cases to be made against Trump and that he overruled them. Like, he needs to explain that at some point in this lifetime. But Tish James does seem to be working diligently towards real charges and a real prosecution. Uh, the lady in Georgia, I keep forgetting her name, but the the, the DA of Fulton County mm. seems to be diligently moving forward considering that Trump is caught on tape, on the phone, committing election fraud. That just right. happened. Right. Like, he just did it. We all heard it. Raffensperger, the, the Secretary of State of Georgia, will testify to it. Mm-hmm. So like that prosecution, I think, is diligently going forward because, Sam, the glint of hope mm-hmm. is that there are so many crimes that so many. One will, one will, and not for nothing. <laughs> my wife likes to point this out too. He's committing more crimes right now. We don't know them. <laughs> but
0: like, <laughs> That's a great point. They're I, c- continuing to this his day. His
3: entire life has been that of a criminal. It's not like he stopped. And oh So maybe the next crime that he commits will be the one that we catch him on. I don't know. But like there are just so many crimes that I can't completely give up. Hope that somebody will, will, will get him for one. This has been a
0: great conversation. I'm all fired up. Thank you so much for this. Oh, I don't even know. Your book is so great. People are – you've oh, got people you. all fired up. People are buying your book left, right, and center. What do you want – what do you want to leave people with today? Is there like an action item that you can give my audience to make them feel that glimmer of something? Like I'm so frightened for the midterms, actually. I'm very, I mean, I know what's going to happen, but I feel like we're have really lost sight of the fact. And I know I said at the beginning of this interview, but we are going to be voting again real soon. And nobody's really talking about it because everybody's afraid to talk about it.
3: Well, you know, one, one of the criticisms I've gotten from the book has been, you're not going to convince any Republicans with that kind of talk, crazy-haired black guy. <laughs> and I like to say, who makes you think that I'm trying to talk to a Republican? Yeah. Yeah. Right, like who? Like that, that? That I do not center my my existence on what they think. It's called the Black Guys Guide to the Constitution. Right. And that word "guide" is the operative word. What I want is for people—white, black, brown, green, Martian, whatever. What I want is for people to read the book and understand that these are arguments they can make themselves mm-hmm. against the Republicans in their life. I happen to believe that progressives and liberals do not fight hard enough for these legal concepts and for our values in part because we don't have the language to fight like i was saying earlier the republicans have just done a better job of of demystifying the language around this so so if you read my book it is demystified there is not a lot of legal jargon in it it is something that people it is not dumbed down because i don't think dumbing down helps people i think people are smart but it is put in everyday terms that people can understand because i want people to use it right Against the people who make really bad arguments and attack our values across a whole swath of legal issues, right? Which include gay rights, abortion rights, women's rights, minority rights, and climate rights, right? So I want people to really use it as a as a polemic against some of the bad arguments that they have out there. Because the glimmer of hope that I find and that I always come back mm-hmm. down to is that it is it's it's a trench fight, right? right. It's it's hand-to-hand comment. You're gonna have to change people's minds one by one right wow and we can do that if we're armed with the right arguments if we're armed with the facts if we're armed with the logic we can do it one by one by one to beat back the deplorable people who are running roughshod over the country
0: well you gotta get your own show and your show is on 24 hours a day seven days a week so you're gonna have to drill that language into people's brains thank you so much for your service (laughs)
3: <laughs> thank you so much for having me
0: it was a total pleasure thank you so much
1: okay that was very good you know what that could have been like an eight-hour episode there's so much to talk to him about i
0: know <laughs> he really does need his own full show own he's a full, spicy, spicy guy he's a spicy meatball Love it. Okay. All (laughs) Uh, right.
2: Speaking of spicy meatballs, Mm -hmm. um, as you know, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson is about to join a very colorful bunch of spicy meatballs on the Supreme Court, Yeah. and we wanted to take a look at some of the people she's going to be working with, so we're both going to give you some clues about—I'm going to give this away. It's the conservative justices on the court, and we're going to ask you to guess which justice we're talking about. So, for instance—
0: Okay. um, Oh, boy. (laughs) These are hard, and I'm not going to
2: know any of them. I can guarantee you you're definitely going to know one. Maybe two. (laughs) That's Uh, the amount of confidence (laughs) we have in you. (laughs) Wow. Okay. You're going to pass. Okay. Uh, So this justice dissented from a decision ruling that the strip search of a suspect's wife and 10-year-old daughter exceeded the scope of the search warrant and was therefore unconstitutional.
0: So this justice... (laughs) He dissented was okay. from the idea, he's yeah. totally fine with a ten-year-old girl and her mom being, being strip searched. Strip searched yeah. in the execution of a search warrant. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh my god, who was that?
2: It wasn't Clarence
0: Thomas, was it?
2: No, that was Alito. Okay,
0: that was Alito. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good guy. Solid. All right, solid. This justice, who has a reputation
1: for being hard on people with disabilities, once ruled against the parents of an autistic child who had sued their son's school district for failing to provide what they believed was an adequate education.
0: I don't actually know who's being who is on the Supreme Court who's hard, difficult with hard on people with disabilities. Well, don't they all.
1: It won't <laughs> shock you
0: that this is Neil Gorsuch. That's Maybe great. It will shock you. That did shock me. <laughs> okay. okay, that's nice. He kind of is like you know what? Below I'm gonna pick my enemies. I'm gonna pick. i going to wait really, until the end to pick enemy
1: number one.
0: I'll be really. I'm gonna be tough on people with disabilities. That's my choice in life. Wow, <laughs> that's a cool avenue to go down. Okay.
2: Okay, this justice famously argued in a two thousand seven Supreme Court decision that is the way clear that
0: I don't know anything about the Supreme Court. It, it, is, it is clear, yes. <laughs> it is clear. Like I don't actually know famous <laughs> cases and I don't actually know anything. We can get well, this, this part out of it, but I yeah. really don't I'm not gonna know any of these. Well answers. this quote is
2: very famous, so you might know I it. still don't know it.
0: No, okay. I don't. I actually don't.
2: Okay. So this justice famously argued that the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race.
0: Oh, I I don't know the answer to this, so you have to actually tell me. Is that Clarence? I. <laughs> <is>
2: that Clarence <laughs> They're Thomas? just all Clarence Thomas. They're just no, all
0: him. No, it's okay. uh, Who John is that?
2: Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, thinks that the way to stop racism is just stop being it's racist. Just to
0: stop being racist. I think that's yeah, a tell. great great idea. This really, I'm getting knock a lot it of, off. Knock it off. <laughs> well, just quit it. That, that's easy. Just quit it. All right. This
1: justice has written that the entire 14th Amendment is possibly illegitimate, that Brown v. Board of Education may have been incorrectly decided, and that the entire administrative state may be untenable from an originalist perspective.
2: (laughs) This is one of your faves. This is this.
1: Clarence Thomas?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, who did this one? Uh, This was Amy Coney Barrett. Wow.
2: Next one up. uh, I don't
0: understand how you have these opinions about things. (laughs) Like, I actually don't. I don't understand that perspective.
2: Oh, just wait. Um, This justice ruled in favor of a white prosecutor who flagrantly and repeatedly kicked black jurors off of death penalty cases on purpose when the defendant was black. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, my God. What is going on? (laughs) What is going on? Okay. Who was that? who was that, that? was
2: Clarence <laughs> that was my
0: so that was your my, one chance to guess <laughs> that him. was my one chance okay all right all right Very and good. finally this mm-hmm. justice likes beer well I know there's one fella who loves beer and that's Brett Kavanaugh
2: that is correct no
0: oh, all right boy uh not a shutout Well, mostly a shutout There are a lot of things that I don't know And I don't like people learning how much I don't know Because they think I know everything And I know almost nothing (laughs) Okay, folks I hope you like my podcast If you did, let me know in the comments If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future Go on Rate, review Subscribe to Full Release And Apple Podcasts And tell your friends Spread the word In the meantime Keep sending us your comments And questions To fullrelease At sandb.com. They might even be featured In one of our special bonus episodes Exclusively available On Stitcher Premium Don't forget to tune into Full Frontal With Samantha B Thursdays at 10pm on TBS And we'll see you next Tuesday For another Full Release this podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Sophia Baron Reinstein with IT and technical production provided by Hitech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. Great day to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs>